So there's this uh, feminist writer who had tr a little bit of trouble on Twitter and uh, had this article. So I can read the, the tweets to you accurately. Um, but she said she's cool with sacrificing innocent men to fight sexual misconduct. <laughs> and then they've got the quotes from her actual tweets. So here we go. Actual tweet. Here's an unpopular opinion. I'm actually not all at all concerned about innocent men losing their jobs over false sexual assault slash harassment allegations. And then she goes on to explain, because of course false accusations are so rare. She, she clarifies, the benefit of all of us getting to finally tell the truth and the impact on victims far outweigh the loss of any one man's reputation, she said, adding, if some innocent man, men's reputations have to take a hit in the process of undoing the patriarchy, that is the price I am absolutely willing to pay. Yeah, so hang on. So the reason, the reason we're discussing this now is I had an interesting and um, unpleasant exchange with a few people over social media uh, on the weekend uh, where there was a reaction to some innocent social media ad that our firm has about defending clients charged with various type of offenses. And this person immediately launched a, per, a, a personal attack. And I shouldn't be surprised at anything now, but launched a personal attack that you should be protecting the rights of victims and not accused persons. And then went on to literally with vitriol to attack me and others joined in. And not until I started to engage with this idiot and um, really spend the time, but, but with language that was appropriate, trying to explain you know, what a democratic system is and that a criminal justice system is at the heart of a democracy, you know, did I get other people chiming in? But what frightened me the most was that still there's this overwhelming um, uh, belief with a small but very strong voice in our society that there are certain people who do not deserve defenses and um, that we should have a system where there are no defenses, that they go directly to sentencing. And I tried to explain to them that that's not a hallmark of a democracy. It's not a society that you want to live in. And, you know, let's have the example of the two Michaels in China who had hour and a half trials and they're whisked off and there's no evidence and there's no, there's no participation by lawyers and we don't have access to them. That's a closed society where there's human rights abuses. And it shocks me that that type of tweet has spurred and continued to uh, engender this type of belief system in people who want to push their narrative and their agenda and that they, they resort to these personal attacks and I find it repugnant and disgusting and that's exactly why we do what we do because it's those people who would damage your system the most and I just had to get this off my chest because it was so disgusting. Well, I think the key thing, then, Chris, this is the first time you're hearing this yeah. tweet, um, I think the key thing is at the end she goes, that's a price I'm willing to pay. Because she's course, not going to pay for it. Right. Uh, well, it's pretty easy to sacrifice somebody else. Uh, you know, we can all do that. Uh, let's change the facts a little bit. So would she agree um, with the wrongful conviction of uh, black men? Uh, you know, that's the price we pay, right? Pick any other, uh, you know, uh, other, like who exactly reads to kill a mockingbird and says well that was the right decision right you yeah. know they found the black guy guilty yes it was a false allegation but you know what people think twice about sexual assault right you know brilliant 
Okay. Well, there's studies done that actually show the. Uh, <coughs> I'm such an amateur. Already. <laughs> no, <you're laughs> we just got started. Um, there's there's actually been studies that show that um, brown and black guys are the ones who are primarily suffering when they take away due process, like in the university systems. So it, it's actually well, it's not just like oh think of Emmett Till or you know a story like To Kill a Mockingbird. This is stuff that's actually going on, but it's willful blindness. I think I, I got into trouble about this over social media as well recently because it's no longer just brown and black people. It's Asian and it's white white people as well. And we're seeing an overabundance of, of drummed up allegations and, and systems within the universities where it's really this Kafka type of nightmare trying to deal with an allegation where you're, you're presumptively presumed guilty. This is really affecting a large portion of our society. And I do, I'm not saying for a moment that um, people who are black or brown don't have a disproportionate chance of being accused and, and having bad things happen to them as a result of that. But we're seeing other segments of our society vulnerable that way as well, and it's growing, and that's what's really concerning. Can can I see that quote again? Uh, what's about in, uh, people losing their jobs? Is that it? She doesn't yeah, care. Yeah, their 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 lives. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm not actually concerned. I'm not at all concerned about innocent movie uh, men losing their jobs. Okay. Uh, like, it's just absolutely astonishing that, you know, presumably she's, you know, in support of, uh, you know, justice for all the other disadvantaged groups uh, ending up, uh, you know, proper representation in jobs and discrimination is a terrible thing, right? But, oh, well, who cares? It's this, astonishing. She, this, you know, we're just picking on her right now because she deserves to be picked on. But, well, but she's just a poster person for what is in growing in our in our society, where we want to change trials in sexual assault cases and maybe domestic assault cases, and not have the ability to defend clients or have this hybrid, weird, strange system they're going to try out in Quebec, uh, which is also of concern because it could really infect the rest of this country. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is she the way she phrased it, um, she ended up closing her Twitter account briefly. But that sentiment is definitely prevalent ever since the Me Too movement started. Yeah. And so it's to advance, uh, you know, almost a religious goal at this point. They're, they're so the ideology is, has almost become like its own cult or religion. And they have one mantra, which is justice for women. So the phrase due process for all has actually been taken over to be called due justice for all. And so, so that's the viewpoint they're coming from. But like, like you were saying too, is like a lot of people can relate to, you know, issues about brown and black guys. But like you say, there's a new kind of language going on, which is privilege. So we've seen just recently Asian privilege, and of course white privilege. Yeah, yeah. That is, you know, a big target is heterosexual white men. So yeah. it is an across the board issue. And, that and here's something frightening to uh, this person. You know, we have clients who are 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 women who are accused of domestic-related offenses for the same type of leverage and stupidity, absolute stupidity, that goes on in family court cases and you want to get leverage for custody or whatever. But the man was quicker to the draw in this case, drummed up a charge against the female, and now she's the one who's charged. So we have those clients as well. It's not just happening, you know, in the domestic context, it's not just happening to men. It also happens to women. 
and and the type of barrage of garbage that I got on the weekend from from a couple of these people fails to recognize that it it's something that impacts all of us um, and 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 it fed into you know this other uh, barrage of um, stupidity that I was getting with respect to due process because there was somebody else who came on and said well there's certain types of offenses that shouldn't be defended you should move directly to sentencing like uh, child molestation or mass killings etc and I, I found right. it completely terrifying yeah <laughs> you know uh, of course <clears throat> those people have... sorry I just got an email immediately from one of our viewers wanted to ask us about the hybrid system in Quebec and if we could explain <laughs> it just a great shout out to our viewer thank you for the immediate uh, question. Thank you. I have zero clue what he's talking about. Oh, yeah, Diane yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's kind scary. of part two of the earlier, uh, the earlier issue that we were dealing with. So, the uh, and it's connected to the do justice for all thing, where they um, have actually in Quebec um, put together a committee to design sexual assault trials as a a separate thing, kind of like we have the human rights tribunals, oh, Jesus right? H. So Christ. and. Yeah. The specialty of this court would be that all the judges are trained in, um, you know, trauma-informed theory, and that all of the lawyers in that courtroom will be held to a strict, um, you know, code of conduct, which meets approval by the people designing the court. So I, we can only ask a few questions. Imagine the cross-examination. So, ma'am, um, were you sexually assaulted? Yes, I was. That's enough, counsel. Sit down. That'll be the trial. Yeah, well, well, I've shown even you asking that question was insulting. Well, I've shown you. No, but but it's, it's it's the mere challenge of we're, we're re-traumatizing people. We're 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 not understanding the myths. We're not understanding this area of law by merely just asking questions in order to defend our clients. And and this is not just. And again, you know, the shit that I'll get back for saying this is amazing. But it's not just about that. When when a society, when a, a justice system. Uh, and a justice system participant, whether it's a judge or a lawyer or whoever, makes a judgment call on what defense you deserve. That can be abused, just like it was in the 30s in Germany, just like it's abused yeah. in closed societies, like certain states in the Middle East, just like <coughs> China. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and you'll see human rights abuses abound and wrongful convictions. And I don't understand why this is so hard to grasp. You know, if, you know it's a criminal justice system, and we're really quite fortunate in spite of what Justin Trudeau tried to do to this system of justice and, and f it up. But we really do have a good system here in Canada, much better than the United States, much better than other countries. And if they continue to try and erode it, we are heading down a very, very, very dangerous path. Well, so Chris, what do you think about this idea that like cross-examining a complainant is like putting the complainant on trial? Uh, it... I don't know, is it putting the complainant on trial in an assault case or a robbery case? You know, no, right? That's ridiculous. They face no jeopardy. Having to actually articulate what occurred and having it challenged, it's just basic elementary common sense, you know? I mean, so, you know, a, a victim of a, an attempt murder is no less vulnerable exactly. or deserving of their day in court than a victim of a sex assault. And I'm using the victim as we're talking in, in a sense that's provable beyond a reasonable doubt. Right. So why should we make value judgments about this particular victim based on gender and crime versus somebody who had, was stabbed 17 times but just happened to live 
now has to testify and is facing you know, a cross-examination that may suggest there was a self-defense argument at play. And, and that would be traumatizing to that particular victim. But they're not deserving of the same protection uh, as these people want to say. And it's, it, it's just so dangerous. So many value judgments, such a degrade of our system. And, and we have to be very vigilant and careful to push back on this narrative. And we have to have everybody on board to do this because governments like what we have right now are only too happy to pander to interest groups to get votes. You know, when, when you have a prime minister who's a male feminist who doesn't like certain verdicts, he doesn't hesitate to speak out or get enough vaccines for this country. But leaving that aside, um, he doesn't have a problem speaking out and saying that a jury was stupid or wrong. Right. He doesn't hesitate to speak out to take away rights. He doesn't hesitate to speak out and say he disagrees or that we believe women. And this is dangerous. Look at our, you know, the uh, Minister of Justice uh, that he had appointed, right? Saskatchewan jury comes out, acquits a farmer. Uh, and the answer is for the Minister of Justice to come out and say, well, they're all racist, right? Effectively. Yeah, just as well, you know, at that time that was uh, Wilson Raybould, yeah, who I hope to never see in government again. And you sit there and say, "Well, all right, is there maybe an alternative to just blatant racism? That well, maybe look, they weighed the evidence." The phrase is the right verdict. verdict. That they hope the jury comes to the right verdict, and so to yeah. assume that there is a right verdict is the problem in the first place. But 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 here's the, the knee-jerk. When you're not in the, the trial, we've yeah. we've done this before. But the knee-jerk reaction for this idiot justice minister was to then ask Justin, hey, can we change the laws to make juries more diverse and let's just take away any opportunity for a f***ing defense lawyer or a crown to challenge a juror without cause, just, oh. just to do it as a uh, preemptory challenge to try and get a fair jury, when in fact that had been in place to protect minorities and vulnerable groups when picking a jury of their peers. I mean, I, I mean the, the asinine nature of the step that was taken and, and the amount of intellect that was applied to this step was like, not even a millimeter. Do you like jury trials, Chris? Love them. Yeah. I know you do. That's why. I, yeah, no, absolutely. So why do, why do you like jury trials? Uh, 12 men and women of the community. It's 12 it, angry men and women. No, no, actually <laughs> no. interested. No, I know. I'm, I'm they, talking about the baby. No, okay. so, <laughs> I was too young to see that. Just kidding. You know, people do uh, can understand things. All right. It's it doesn't have to be left up to professional uh, jurists. They can the public can assess actually credibility based on common sense and understand evidence and understand evidence better the, than judges. the forbidden common sense. The for, judges aren't allowed to use anymore. It's incredibly forbidden. Uh, Such good Collingwood whiskey. <laughs> huh. But yeah, so, you know, I. You know, I've always found juries very, uh, you know, they've always paid attention. They've always done, uh, you know, obviously I don't like it when I lose. Uh, but that being said, um, that's not, you know, whether I, you know, that's not the determination as to whether juries are good well, or bad. Only once in my career, and I, I, you know, it's different now than it used to be because you don't have nearly as many well thank god to the pandemic they, they have a, oh, we don't have jury trials it's, painful. it's terrible but yeah. but you know we don't do jury trials as much as we used to but they're really wonderful but given the number of jury trials there's only really one jury trial that i felt quite aggrieved about the verdict which i thought was actually a bit of a 
it had a bit of a racist tone to it. Uh, but leaving that aside, other than that one case, I got the distinct feeling from watching the jurors, watching them make notes, watching them listen to closing arguments, that they really wanted to be there, that they really understood Absolutely. evidence, and that they were able to apply a level of analysis that is better in, in many respects than a trained jurist because they're free of the trappings of what's politically correct. And, and they that's can, important. And they can debate with each other about why they're thinking in a certain direction. And if they're making an error, then other people can correct them. And, and that's a great point because think about it. That's 12 people collectively coming together to debate a topic and go through evidence and assess it, whereas it's left up to one judge to make a decision on their own. And they may speak to their clerks or whoever they have to assist them with a judgment or other judges, but they don't hear the evidence. They don't sit and sit it, view it, hear it, feel it. And so there is a, you know, really a, an enhanced quality to a jury trial, which frankly I, I don't think we have enough of yeah. because again our government sought to eliminate those things. Yeah. Well, which I was is saying I was saying like. Um, the phrase being used is uh, the right verdict, hope they come to the right verdict. And that seems to be like in Quebec with this tribunal. That's what I'm afraid of is that they've des they're designing a new system that will result in more convictions. <clears throat> and if, you, if you're focused on a conviction rate, then it's going to lead to trouble. And uh, a That's different exactly system... what they're focused on. Yeah, totally. They're yeah. focused on handcuffing judges, handcuffing defense lawyers, enhancing uh, the ability to gain convictions at the, uh, at the cost of our civil liberties at the cost of our rights at the cost of what a democracy is that's exactly what they want to do well, because that's political because yeah. that's politically correct and that will get them votes but in the short term until the public wakes up and realizes it's like when people walk into our office and go how can this happen yeah and i go and you've heard me do this i start to get really loud and go well do you not pay attention to what our politicians say yeah well, let's look at creating a different sort of hybrid system that's going to function on its own like a human rights tribunal. So you were just involved in a case that was being arbitrated in a, a separate sort of, like it wasn't the regular court of law, right? It was a tribunal system. It was called the kangaroo court. The kangaroo oh, was this court. about massaging your wife? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so let's talk about oh, how, how that can happen because there were things unique to that particular oh, this is judicial great. body. Nobody will believe this who watches this. All right. Give it an excruciating detail and pain. Sure. All right. So, uh, all toast first. Yeah. No. Uh, and take it. I know how much this story yeah, makes you no. want to drink. <laughs> no, this, this really, this really it's, is. It's it, crazy. It really is a tragedy. But, and, and, but, and it's, you know, there's no silver lining at the moment. All right. So. So there's the uh, the College of Massage Therapists, registered massage therapists, who are a self-governing body. So it's like a doctor or lawyer or what have you. They have the authority to kick people out of their organization and so on and so forth, you know, as rules by the government. Uh, one of the rules is, you know, it's about, you know, really kind of a good... Um, uh, intent, which is to root out sexual abuse. Sexual abuse is defined as any sexual act between a uh, you know member of the college and a patient, uh, and a patient is defined as anybody who receives, in this case, a massage, and a massage is defined. It's hard as to keep your face. 
straight during this, eh? It's defined as uh, the uh, manual manipulation of a body part. And we're not talking about but we're not talking about those paws. To uh, <laughs> alleviate. Uh, you know what? It's a true story. The table there. Oh, pain, uh, discomfort, uh, or increased range of mobility, right? Which basically includes, you know, from foot massages to shiatsu to whatever you want. Well, so my client, uh, who was a dues pain member and a member of good standing, happened to mention to another person uh, who was also a member of the college that uh, his wife uh, was a uh, Thai massage therapist, uh, but not regulated. She wasn't part of the college. And that she was teaching him techniques, and he was working on her as well, uh, you know, practicing techniques. Um, well, this person promptly realized, wait a second, that's a violation of the rules. You can't be massaging your wife. Citizen, citizen's arrest. <laughs> this is real. And she's obligated, or uh, this person is obligated to report any suspected for fear of, right? She would be turned in for, you know, herself for, you know, because it's a Soviet system, essentially. If you got to report your, you know, any wrongdoing. So, of course, she prompts China. Yeah, so she promptly, you know, as a member of the Stasi, uh, you know, uh, goes and, you know, says, look, you know, this guy's sexually abusing somebody. <laughs> His wife. All right. So they hire an outside professional. Again, I, I just want to say, this is an absolute, unequivocal, true story. Uh, they go out and they hire uh, crazy. a professional firm to go and investigate this. The college does. So they take his dues, pay for an investigator to go and meet with him. and Paying for him. your own kangaroo totally, trial. At right? some exorbitant rate. That's exactly it. And sure enough, he says, uh, well, yeah, you know, I massaged my wife. What do you want, you know? As one is wont to do. <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, we were clothed. Uh, you know, it was, you know, I, I did everything properly. It was in our house. I didn't pay. You know, she didn't pay me. There was no insurance. Not directly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Sorry, honey. I have to, you know, I end up before this tribunal because they have a zero tolerance policy and their zero tolerance is you must be kicked out of the uh, you know uh, as a massage there you gotta get kicked out of the college if you abuse you know sexually abuse people now and so let's just a little quick reminder the wife is not the complainant here no she's not <laughs> the wife was did not testify she refused she's not to part of the proceeding she refused to speak to the investigators she was like you. Off. Go f yourself, right? Uh, but unfortunately, he confessed uh, to his crime uh, without recognizing that it was a crime. So, uh, you know, we find ourselves in front of this tribunal, five women, uh, you know, sitting there, and we're in this boardroom, uh, and they have, uh, you know, the prosecutor there for the college, and they've got an independent counsel to tell. Starring Tom Cruise. To tell. Yeah, they have an independent lawyer at an exorbitant rate to assist them with how to run a f***ing tribunal hearing. That's exactly it, because they're all not lawyers, right? They're, you know. Morons. 
your words, not mine. In which there's no complainant. Exactly. I, I think I have enough liability insurance for that one. <laughs> right. But, but I think on the record, it would it would substantiate itself on a lawsuit. So, it's ridiculous. So lo and behold, uh, you know, th- th- this provision had actually been challenged. Because here's, here's, here is the project creep, all right? So you can imagine... Good, good phrase, project creep. Because that's, that's exactly what it is. The big picture of what's going on right now. So, so you've got... You know, we can all say, look, it's not a good idea for a doctor to be prescribing to his family members or his wife, you know, medicine. Okay. We can all get, you know, because that could lead to a conflict of interest. Exactly. Yeah. We can also see that it may not be, uh, you, know, a, you know, a good thing if a psychiatrist is hitting on his patients. Absolutely. Agree. All right. So you introduce these regulations and you say, look, you know, uh, people who are doctors shouldn't be doing this. But here's the thing. Doctors are not the only people in our field of medicine. All right. What gets expanded is we've got uh, the Chinese traditional medicine. Traditional medicine. Right. Acupuncture. So, So acupuncturists fall under this umbrella. Uh, massage therapists, speech therapists. Where massage therapy, your, your weapons are your hands. Your weapons are your hands, right? So you can appreciate that there are certain instances that, you know, given that, for example, massages, uh, massage therapy, you know, you could invoice, right? Insurance could cover. So you could have rules that say you don't get to bill, you know, but that's not it. It's everybody, every patient, all right? And, of course, the definition of massage is so loose to include everything. The irony, of course, is he should have said we were naked and I was manipulating her clitoris. Uh, and then, you know, maybe he'd have a defense. But because he said, think well, about that. But think about that for a second. Had he said we were in the midst of sex. Right. That might have been a defense. But. God forbid you should just relax your wife with a massage. Right. So, uh, you know, imagine the following scenario. Uh, you know, uh, the wife is, you know, eight months pregnant. She plops down in the couch, and puts her feet up and says, Honey, my, you know, my dogs are barking. Can you massage my feet? And if he was a good, responsible member of the... Um, College of massage of the college, he would say, I'm sorry, sweetie, I cannot sexually abuse you in that way, but I can refer you to somebody and you can schedule and you can pay them uh, tomorrow. All right. But, you know, I'm sorry, I can't do this. All right. But here, if we do it, if we did it during the course right. of sex. But here's so the, this gets better. It's the, the reasonable hypothetical. Right. So he, here's even here's even better, right? Of course, she wasn't brought up on charges because she wasn't a member of the college. But you could have, you know, in reality, if she was a member of the college, they would be simultaneously sexually abusing each other by both being registered massage therapists practicing massages on each other. All right, like this is where we are at. All right, but, but there was actually. Is there anything proposed... that we're missing? Wait, wait, wait. Just let, let's just give some benefit to this this rules and, and this call. Is there anything we're missing in this analysis? Zero. All right, she didn't complain. Okay, uh, the relationship 
predated him becoming a massage therapist. So he did not use his position in order to uh, gain a sexual advantage. There was no exchange of money, there was no billing, there was nothing that could potentially be fraudulent for which you would have concerns of OHIP being billed or an insurance company or anything, nothing. This is literally a woman showing her husband some of her techniques and him showing her some of his techniques. Everyone's got their special moves. <laughs> and, and no money is exchanged, no abuse, no nothing. And they're so, married and they're a couple. And they're married, they have two children, and that's it. You're right. still missing something, Chris. Because so, I remember you were so upset about this case. I, I remember. Yeah, but I thought this was a slam dunk. There was this a, would never happen. There was a reasonable hypothetical previously put forward that... All right. So, that, and they said was unreasonable. It would never happen. So what happened this was this this legislation, all right, was challenged because the thing is doctors have money, all right? Um, and, but then as you go down the list of the people who fall under the umbrella group of regulated health professionals, you get to less and less. So, you know, the Chinese traditional acupuncturists, for example, uh, are not making $400,000 a year uh, and are able to afford, you know, high-priced lawyers and so on and so forth. So the doctors have managed to get things changed, okay, such well, that... Well, not, not that we wouldn't have given him a massive break anyways. We'll, we'll talk about that later because we would have... We would have gone to the wall for him anyways. But. Well, I did, uh, first of all, because uh, he did not have money, uh, as you know. But so, so because, of course, as it was phrased, all right, initially passed, you know, a doctor, you know, if, you know, her husband is uh, feeling a, you know, a touch hot and she measures his temperature, guess this what? This is the hypothetical. Right. Well, yeah, right? Guess what? Well, that so, is... Well, wait, just stop for a second because, you know, your storytelling is so fabulous that I think we lost people on, on the precise point here that a reasonable hypothetical is a, a regular thing that people do in... It could become right. an offense, okay. so, right? And it shouldn't be. Right. So, so when challenging a piece of legislation, uh, you can either say, look, uh, what occurred in this particular instance of the facts before the court is so unreasonable okay f to Stupid. be captured to be captured by this provision that it should be struck down or you can say you know what this provision is so stupid it would actually captured this hypothetical all right that you capture exactly what we described so this provision was actually challenged and the pr problem that i had was the first step uh, to challenging it uh, for one of these regulatory offenses is you go, you challenge it to the Superior Court, and then if you lose there, then you got to challenge it to the Court of Appeal. And the Court of Appeal upheld this provision not once but twice, explicitly on the basis that, look, nobody would be so stupid. No, as, this is, this is real. The I, I know we may be losing so, people watching this, but no, this no. is actually f***ing real. So, so this is really important. This, so, this is what the court of appeals said. Nobody would be stupid enough to be right to, to convicted of prosecute nobody and would, find somebody guilty. Of nobody this. would prosecute they a person like this. this. 
This is ridiculous. That's you crazy. cannot possibly do this, right? So, so no, we're going to uphold this legislation because your reasonable hypothetical is unreasonable because nobody would ever do this, right? And, and it was almost precisely behold, the thing. Boom. Yeah, it's exactly what right? happened. And that's what happened. And even though we wanted to help him go further, he just gave up. His life fell apart. Right. Well, that's exactly. And he just said, "Fuck it." Yeah. That's. You have to. You have to. You have to. It's not just about money because we were prepared to just do it for payment of disbursements. Forget about legal fees. Right. It's also the emotional and psychological fortitude to go forward because they divorced. Yeah, they divorced over this. Lost his business. Totally, he's you know. He, uh, well, they were divorcing at the time of the claim, right? So, well, they, by the by the, like, time, by the time it got to the by the hearing. time it got to oh, the okay. hearing, all right. right. Uh, so, and she still wouldn't testify against him. No, no, she was not. She was not. You know, because she wasn't sexually abused. But, but she wasn't the, abused. But you can imagine the pressure of this on their finances as a couple, and how that had, uh, you know. Uh, 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 an effect on their quality of marriage that that also led to their demise yeah. and and then you know what ensued afterward i mean he lost everything he lost his marriage he, he his business was down the drain he just said I, i'm done i don't want to do it i don't want to fight it no, i know exactly. by the time you get through but she wouldn't have even had the ability to say as the victim i don't want to prosecute it because she wasn't the victim correct, correct. that's exactly it right but this it, was really victimless the, there was no. There victim. was no crime. There, there was, was nothing, no nothing. There, there was, was no, nothing. That was, there was, there was no regulatory breach here. You know, practicing their the massage techniques on each other to see if it works well. But, but it, this is a real story. It. But this is a real story, and this is this is mission creep. This is where you start with a zero tolerance policy, right? You just you know it sounds good. Or you, you start wanna, with a hybrid court in Quebec. You, no, you, no, but that's a good point. You, you, you start with zero tolerance. It, 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 you know, you start out with a very good lofty goal root out sexual abuse everybody's in favor of that but then you throw in something like okay we're going to have zero tolerance no matter what the facts are we're not going to give the you know tribunal any sort of wiggle room because we fear that all right and then there's the unintended consequences so then we don't look at because you know if if you pull the public if you pull the mps who pass these laws they think about doctors and psychiatrists they don't think about the other 15 other you know category uh you know a speech therapist all right like sexual abuse by a speech therapist yeah okay no actually it's just interesting if you can't practice on your spouse if you correct the way your your partner said a word like schedule versus schedule or something like that privacy <laughs> yeah, yeah, but 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 let's go back for a second to what we started with. You know, if you have this zero, zero tolerance, like this, this lofty idea of cutting out, you know, all this process because this is presumptively an abuse. Look at how it infected this area, and and very good people practicing legitimate healthcare services, and then how you can apply that to criminal law, and what we're seeing about cutting out your trial. In a sexual assault case or a domestic assault case, you can see how that, you know, the ideology, the idea to trust, you know, try and protect true victims, but it gets abused. And look how it got abused here and how it will be abused in a hybrid system, how it will be abused by that idiot who started the conversation with me on the weekend over social media if this is allowed to happen. And that is frightening.
but yeah. you know. Well, in, in your case too, like there was the question, because I, I mentioned this on, a, on another video and, and uh, you know, one of, the, one of the big questions is, did he appeal? And there's a problem with the trying to appeal that decision. He just couldn't. Right? He, he just couldn't, right? Because you, you'd appeal to the Superior Court and the, it would get blown out immediately because they would say, I'm sorry, there's a binding authority by the Court of Appeal. S then you'd have to appeal to the Court of Appeal, but they already have binding authority. So wait, there's so two Court of Appeals mentioned. So there's the Tribunal and there's a Court of Appeal for the Tribunal. And right. Then so sorry so the tribunal is is run by the college then after that in order to the supervision of that tribunal is a superior court of justice so you get in front of actual judge as opposed to you know these five members of randos all right who aren't lawyers deciding this Fate. people who decided that the best thing they wanted to do with their spare time was to be on a judgment committee of well, look, but that's fine. God bless them to, but, to, to root out sexual abuse. Here's the problem. But not to do this. They, they, their hands were forced. All right. I don't the, know. The, they the didn't have. They the, did not have the fortitude to say this should not be a finding. They could not. They, they, they could not. All right. Because but you're saying juries the college, do, though. So I'm confused now because you're the, saying normal people have better sense than judges. They do. No, no. I've watched juries. Yeah nullify something that would have been wrong we know what is legally wrong okay but, but the people on this committee weren't hold on we know what is legally wrong right according to the law and what may be an instruction to a jury but juries are human beings they experience life different than a judge does because their head is filled with all this stuff you know laws and precedent and political correctness and how common sense doesn't apply and how the stars line up in a certain way. Juries are people who live their lives. They're, you know, teachers, they're welders, they're bricklayers, they're plumbers, they're... Um, Secretaries, whatever. You know, yeah, call them assistants. You know, and, and they have a life experience and they bring that together and they go, I, I believe in certain cases, they go, this is just bullshit. No way we're convicting this person. This is fucking wrong. And but that's where the there's right a thing. the finding that that's where there's a finding uh, an assessment of credibility, right? No, but 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 what these people did on the tribunal, yeah. even though you say that their 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 hands were held, and they had to make this decision. Well, tied uh, in the in, in you know tied, but I I, I think as they, to what the penalty they, they they still could have they could still could have said this is not an abuse case. I, well, I, I I agree, and it would have been nice had they done that, you know. But this is the danger of certain ideologies, certain narratives, certain correctness, and this is a stark example, a real example that people may go is absolutely insane. That can't have, can't be real. It's and a it reported is, decision. It is absolutely real. It's a reported decision, and it's bad. Yeah. And can we talk a little bit about due process being a technicality? Because that was another fight I had yeah. over social media, and so, I never thought I'd get into this that. This is something stupidity. I've been thinking about for the last, you know, three four years. Is that you know when when we respond to calls for, you know, um, you know, just finding people guilty based on the accusation and so on, is when you respond with the need for due process. That phrase is so dry in this age You're of running social dry. media. I'm running dry, but. Um, it, it seems to me that when people hear the phrase due process, they think that what you want is to just engage in a technicality in order to reach the, the verdict we already know is due, or 
that you're talking about wanting to try and get somebody off on a technicality. Yeah, that's an interesting comment. Yeah. And well, so not a I think technicality. just like when you're asking people, what do you what do you want to support? Rape culture or due process? Yeah, it's culture? not an either or. Outrage community. It's not, it's not an either or. It's not an either or. We have a system but of we're justice. But in an outrage culture where things are right, and we polarized. need we need to work harder to ring this back. We need people to pay attention and to plug into this because we can go down a very dangerous road. But what, what due process? There's another term process for process or process. Process. What did I say? Process. What are you, a speech therapist? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. I know. You're unregulated. Thankfully, you're you know, not a client. <laughs> that's it. Um, there's another term for it. Uh, you know, in law, we call it the rules of natural justice, and I think that's the term that we should be using because what due process is is called natural justice. That is the ability to confront your accuser, the ability to present evidence, the ability to have an independent... You're so clever. <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's what it is. An independent um, uh, arbitrator decide the Natural issue. Natural justice is actually precisely the phrase that I've been looking for for the last three years. Well, there you go. Boom. Just, just go back it. and le read All legal, was a little legal philosophers. Yeah, yeah that's Kant. it. Who else? Uh, Aquinas, the rest of them, right. you know, it's all, it's, it's called natural justice, right? It's these, these, these issues that A now, unbiased tribunal. that now have come, you know, uh, have, you know, been kind of summarized as due process, but the basis is all natural justice. And if you read case law regarding, you know, section seven of the charter, uh, they all refer to it as, as the rules of natural justice. Well, I came across that phrase actually that when I was looking right. into university tribunal systems. And so universities, they're not the government, so they're not bound to the charter and all this other stuff, but they do still have compliance with natural justice. They Correct. do, because it's, yeah. it's an administrative process. Yeah. So you can appeal that to the divisional court. Which is a spirit court. Which is a spirit court, to, yeah. and, and natural justice will apply, and that's where you have it in administrative law. And it's the same concept. And we have, you know, reams of writings from, you know, uh, legal theorists about natural justice, but it comes down to, and this is, this is not something we invented yesterday. No. This has been around for, you know, well over a thousand years, if not longer, and it's entrenched in our law, it's entrenched in society. It, it's what separates us, again, from closed societies where there's abuses, and it's just not a technicality. It, it is there for everybody, and we as a society have to be judged by how we treat those that are the most despised. If we give them fair trials, and it's proved beyond a reasonable doubt that they're guilty of this horrendous crime, we've done our job. And we've done our job to democracy, and we are a beacon uh, that should be looked at in, in the world. And we should not in any way allow that to be eroded because of these narrow-minded, myoptic idiots who want to just uh, push their own Get agenda. Get a result. It, yeah. It's not even a result. It's now an ideology. It's now it's now becoming an ideology. It's a radicalization, in my opinion, that's as dangerous as other ones that we have. So, that that this can't be allowed to influence governments where they are so wimpy uh, uh, to want their vote to just collapse to this. But we can use logic to to sort this out too. If you're so sure that somebody is guilty then why do you need to stack the cards in the trial? Okay, so here's, let's, let's go, let's, multiple witnesses. let's deal with a real-life example. 
sadly, the tragic and horrific case of the van attacker, Manassian. One of the very few mass killings we've had in uh, Canadian history. Tragic, awful. Captured on video. Captured on video. I mean, this is an absolute tragedy. the cop didn't shoot him. No, he did a wonderful job. That, that yeah. officer... That guy wanted to die. He, sh he showed his cell phone. The, the, the accused, who's now the offender, wanted to die by a police officer shooting. The police officer handled it excellently. The investigation was well done. But there was such an outcry about the trial. I'm not going to make comment about the defense that was put forward. You're allowed to put forward defenses, whatever it is. It's a, in that case, it was an NCR not by way Not of, only are you allowed... But ethically, you're obligated as a lawyer to vigorously put forth any defense. Yeah, so I'm going to take it further that this is, again, a hallmark of democracy that an accused of a horrific crime that may seem overwhelmingly uh, provable, that they have a right to trial, that the lawyers have to put forward a defense, whether the public deems it viable or not. And then the right decision will be made at the end of the day. What happened in that case was that there was a verdict of guilty. The judge uh, properly, with a very reasoned decision, rejected the position of the defense. The defense did their job heroically in the face of a lot of public sentiment against them and their client, but that was a heroic job. And the person was convicted and they will be sentenced. And that's the end of it. But what we should be proud of as a society is this person who did something horrific and, and, and tragic had their fair trial. We treated them with civility. They're convicted and they're going to go to jail for the rest of their lives. We can stand by that verdict. And that's important. And we can't lose sight of that. And every f***ing day I post something innocuous, I get somebody fighting against that. And that has been growing over the last few years. And it frightens me. Well, again, I think the important thing is like where you have overwhelming evidence, it means that you have more impetus and it behooves you, because I love these old fashioned words. Behoove is good. Yeah, yeah. it's a good uh, word. To, to make the trial as fair as possible to show that the conviction was straightforward, you know, straight up, and, and that everything was, was done with fairness and natural justice. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, there's, there's countless murder trials that go on where, you know, there's a scintilla of a defense available and you know you know people get convicted left right and center because the evidence is just overwhelming that said that's what should happen they there should this process should continue and i don't hear these people crying out about that i hear them crying about other things and they want to thwart the trial process and a murder is serious because the victim in that case ain't coming back yeah. So I don't understand. And can't speak for themselves. No. Other people have to stand up. Officers put in hours of investigation. Forensic experts, prosecutors, you know, and then defense lawyers do valiant jobs to try and defend it. But this is the part of the process. People get convicted at the end of a fair trial and, and or acquitted, depending upon the evidence. But this is the right process. And we've got certain interest groups who want to just take it away from this one area and it is really insidious. It's and I don't know how, what it's going to take to get the public on board. Connected to what you were saying, here's my theory about why you got so upset on this social media exchange. That you were challenged ethically and morally as a person who acts as a defense lawyer. 
Yeah, you know, that's a good point. It's fair. So I've been noted to be, you know, enraged when you uh, challenge my character. And we've chosen this way of life. You know, it's a, a vocation. A long time ago. This is our vocation. You know, I ain't applying to be a judge. This is what we want to do. We want to defend people. And we believe in the rule of law. We believe in the right to a defense. And we do a damn good job of it. So don't ever challenge or question my integrity. F*** you. Because when we run our trials, we do it with the sensitivities in place. We understand what's at stake. We don't unnecessarily uh, abuse a, a, a witness or a victim. But don't ever impugn our character or integrity for doing a job which is vital to the functioning of this democracy. In fact, you should be f***ing praising us because this is something that's very important. It is, and, and not only do you have to act with integrity in how you defend somebody who's potentially guilty, but you have to deal with wrongful convictions. Well, but, but, but a lot of our clients, and, and we're not saying this because we're doing our own podcast, many of our clients are wrongfully accused. They really are. And there are agendas and narratives at play to uh, lay charges uh, by complainants or other people because they want to achieve an end. And we have a lot of innocent clients. And it's terrifying when you're running trials and you're worried that your client's life will be just gone like that with a wrongful conviction. I mean, this is a very serious weight that we weigh. My hair isn't white for, like, no reason. You know, it's serious. What's amazing is uh, how few interviews there are of Crown attorneys who withdraw charges because they recognize uh, midway through that this will be... Uh, the, the, you know, this is a lie, right? You know, how many cases have we had that you start at the prelim and you ask a few questions, right? And by the end, even the crown recognizes, wow, uh, you know, you get to ask a few questions of the complainant in this case, and you recognize, you know, they recognize that, there's some great crown. I've just in my There's short a lot of wonderful oh, crown attorneys. Oh my god! But they don't get interviewed with the media because well, they can't. They, 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 they can't. Well, talk no, about. absolutely, they can't, and it's and it's disappointing. They're gagged because realistically, it is. They can tell you. So you know, if crowns could be interviewed, they would tell you yes, there are false allegations. All right, we maybe in the states prosecutors. Right, prosecutors. <laughs> that's it. Right. Uh, and they will, you know, any reasonable one will admit, yes, I've come across, you know, too many uh, that I want to admit to, okay? In the same way, for example, when the, here in Canada, when they got rid of the jury, the... Uh, um, peremptory challenges. The peremptory challenges, right? If you spoke to any rank and file, crown attorney, Seasoned with juries, though. Right, obviously. They would say, this is lunacy, okay? Because they see, as we see, that every once in a while, you will have somebody who has an agenda. Or just doesn't want to be there. Doesn't want to be there. Or looks, you know, like they are just going to disrupt everything, okay? In other words, they're crazy, okay? Uh, And the crown... The crown tosses them. 
right? And says, no, I, you know. Do you so, know how many times I ran a jury trial with preemptory challenges and the Crown and I stood beside each other and they go, can you get rid of this one? Yeah. You know, we've, we actually we've, tra talk. we've traded them. We've traded pr challenges because we realized a, pot a potential juror was somebody who would disrupt the process. Totally disrupt the process. And, and, and there was a reason gone. for it. So we cooperate, actually, to get a fair trial. So I've isn't that a lot amazing? of integrity just in the short time? Like, I've seen a prosecutor recommend acquittal at the end of a trial. Of course. So you know? have I. Absolutely. There, there is, there's no doubt about that. Okay? And that's, that's a part of, you know, the activists and the Twitterers and what have you that they don't see, they don't recognize, they don't understand. The, you know, I have great respect for a great number of Crown attorneys who, you know, and I've, you know, I can think of one case in which I was, you know, after cross-examination, the Crown said to me, I'm going to withdraw the charge because I fear a wrongful conviction yeah. in this case. And, you know, that's incredible um, fortitude on right. their part. Right, and, and so... This, you know, so Justin Trudeau and um, the former justice minister got rid of preliminary hearings for Ugh. cases that uh, have a, a zero to 14 years or under for uh, a sentence. In other words, just sexual assault. <laughs> yeah. That was the target. That was the target. That was, that was the target. target. So, that was about the only charge. So, again, I can't tell you how many Crown attorneys I talked to when we're about to set things down or go, and I just had it last week where they're like, I wish we could do a prelim on this. And we have one very high profile case coming up in the new year where the Crown, because of certain offenses said, I want a prelim on this. I want you to go to town, Joe, and I want to assess the case. And they rolled in with the judge's cooperation at the judicial pretrial, all the allegations, so that we could have a you know, complete and comprehensive cross-examination for the Crown to assess the evidence and do a reasonable prospect of conviction assessment after the prelim. And that's, you know, again, an example of, you know, the integrity that we have in the system. And that is for Crown attorneys and defense lawyers. And it just goes to show how our government did something incredibly short-sighted and stupid uh, for political purposes, simply to pander to a group of individuals to try and increase convictions, yeah. but at the same time do a really great job of trying to increase wrongful convictions. And we have, we have to be creative about not caring about, about wrongful convictions anymore. They don't care. They don't care. And I, I don't know, I, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's not caring or, or, or just being recklessly indifferent or just wanting to Passing increase wrongful convictions. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. It I, seems I, to me that that's I, the, I, the charging policy is the police are going... We don't want to be protested or accused of things or have like journalists digging through our shit. So we're going to pass the buck to the prosecutor. And then the prosecutor goes, I don't want to be accused of not taking this to trial, so I'm going to pass it to the judge. Well, but and that then... doesn't always happen. <laughs> we have a lot of cases where they screen out bullshit, where they do talk to you and you disclose certain evidence, and they, we do these RPC memos, reasonable prospect of conviction, and crown attorneys do withdraw, right? Yeah, yeah. They're, overall, they're fairly... Fair. Right. So Very I'm not fair. saying necessarily that they're passing the buck. What I find who I place the blame at is our government for setting the policies for a system they know nothing of. That's, it, you know, it, the thing is, you have to know how the sausage is made to really appreciate 
what happens when you change a rule. Yeah. Right? You know, so imagine, you know, a guy comes in, you know, to, on a jury case. It's a drug case. And the guy's got a t-shirt that says, Hell's Angels Forever. All right? Guess what? Crown can't kick him off. Right? So you tell me, are Crowns happy with that? In case there's any Hell's Angels watching our podcast, we have great respect for you. I that have said, immense respect. That, that, means... that, said, that said, it may show a bias, and the Crown can't kick them off. And they can't kick them off. That's exactly it, right? You know, I literally had a case once in which, you know, amongst the Tamil community, and it was all these uh, Tamil witnesses, Tamil complainants, so on and so forth, a juror member, because this was a community heavily, um, was came to court literally with a T-shirt on of the uh, Tamil Tigers, which is a recognized terrorist organization. All right? It's, true. <clears throat> it's not surprising that at the time the Crown said, I don't want him to be on my, you know, a member of the jury. Yeah. All right? Today... He'd be a member of the jury. All right. So, you, so stop and think about it. There is the judge has no ability to kick him off. The defense and the crown has no ability to kick him off. You know, and this is not a reasonable hypothetical. This is a lived experience. All right. And, lived you know, experience. You know, lived, lived experience, experience of actual defense attorneys and crown attorneys who would say to you, "Yeah." We need to have a safety valve for a certain number of people. You know, it's not excessive, right? You get 12 each. That's it. It's not like you can it's keep not every... that much. It's not that much. 12 each. Yeah. That's it. Gone. Gone. And the and Supreme Court of Canada <laughs> said this was okay. In 32 seconds. Right? They ruled from the bench. Hold my hat. That's our Supreme Court right now. Hold my hat. I'll be right back. That's exactly. They walked out. They came back in. And they said, reasons to follow later, sayonara. And yeah, in, in fairness to the Supreme Court. You know, some the, really good judges. In fairness to the Supreme Court, the argument had to be, you know, you know, argued in terms of it being a charter right. And, he, you know, the funny thing about the decision in which that was challenged. It was a black juror, uh, no, a black accused, who was trying to argue that, look, getting rid of peremptory challenges... It was Aboriginal, wasn't it? No. Oh, he was, it was. No. He was black, okay? okay? And he was arguing, you know, Dirk... Uh, was it Dirk's Durst case? Dirk's case, case, right? Yeah. So, uh, right. So he... It was a black defendant. And he... He was trying to argue, look, the use of peremptory challenges, you know, in a diversity like Toronto, you know, we can see there's, you know, there's a line of, of potential jurors. We know that after they've called their numbers, we can visibly look at them and we can see, okay, we've got a certain slot. We know that there's going to be 12, all right? We're down to eight, okay? And we can see that one guy is going to be a member of the community, representative of the accused. And as defense, 
we can then do peremptory challenges of other people before that to try to get that guy on. Math. Right, Stupid just basic math. math. I know, and the okay. math backfired on them and for what they intended on. There's no math they, now. There's yeah. no math, right? You can't do that. And you can't. It did the opposite did of the what that minister opposite. said was to get a diversity, totally. a representation of jurors, because they wanted more indigenous people yeah. on on the jury panel. Yeah. So they didn't like legislate that on every trial involving an indigenous accused or an indigenous victim, you have to have 20% indigenous member of the actually, panel. Actually, they just got rid of the right to challenge people. Actually, again, and you can get an all white jury. Again, again, again. The Minister of Justice. Oh God. Red. I'm too sober to contemplate. Red. This. <laughs> to kill a mockingbird, and concluded that that was a nice. that was a great you know that that's how the system should be. You have a a white victim, complainant. You need a white jury. You need an Aboriginal victim, complainant. You need an Aboriginal jury. This is the conclusion that the Minister of Justice came to. Yeah, the conclusion, right? which doesn't guarantee that. But, <laughs> it's but like, we got a short time left. I just want to give a shout out to prostitution laws going down in Canada. Yeah. Wow. Well, hopefully soon, because yeah. it's not binding yet. Like Superior court decision, so a higher court decision striking down a lot of the prostitution laws. We have our own constitutional challenges going yep. um and uh we're it, it, it's a step forward because there's what's that lawsuit brought by the uh, sex workers so you know the in the last year at the beginning of 20, 20 2020 not 2021 i was just trying to remember which year. yeah um so uh, january of 2020 there was a successful challenge in the lower court so the ontario court of justice and it wasn't binding on anyone. And then since then, there was another case, NS, which has um, been successful in the Superior Court of Appeal. And um, But unfortunately, that's not binding according to the Ontario Court of Appeal. It's only binding once the Court of Appeal confirms it or yeah. this, you know, so yeah. well, all of this, all of no, this but, thing. So, yeah, but this is interesting because... We've got two decisions right now saying it's unconstitutional. Saving except for 286.1 sub 1, which is communication for the purpose of obtaining sexual services, which also we're challenging in two cases, yeah. which needs to be struck down because that will allow sex workers to do their trade. So, but there's also that lawsuit brought by the Association of, of Sex Workers that is brought this lawsuit to strike it all down. So it's a very interesting turn of events because we were involved with the original challenge with Alan Young back in 2015. Right. So Bedford, that's what you were involved in, which led to the Bedford decision, yeah. threw out the previous uh, prostitution laws and uh, Supreme Court confirmed it. And so they gave Parliament a year to reconstruct the law um, because they thought there was a public interest in it. Right. And during the construction, so there's the, the judiciary branch, parliament, you know, the legislative branch is now busy reconstructing. They go, should we ask the Supreme Court if this is going to work, if this is okay with them, what the new laws we're constructing? And they went, you know what? No, we don't want their opinion. Wow. So they went ahead and passed to what's now 286.1 to 286.5. And it's called the Nordic model where it criminalizes the buyer and it gives immunity to the seller of sex because they didn't want to have women prosecuted. So we've got 286.1, which is uh, makes it illegal to buy sex, communicate for the purpose of buying sex. 286.2, which is 
uh, and 286.3, those are, I can't remember which one is which, but there's like living off the avails of um, and procuring, and procuring uh, somebody to, to sell their services. Then 286.4 is advertising, which is a violation of free speech. Yeah. And uh, 286.5 is the end of that whole thing. That's the part that makes the, the person who's selling the sex immune. Right. So, but, but, but again, what, what's important here and the takeaway from this is we're seeing now the courts taking an active role and seeing that the government did a job of trying to protect sex workers, to give them uh, a safe environment to work in. And, um, and, and now we're seeing that that to gain traction again because the government just didn't like what the courts did came out with worse legislation and uh, it is worse and that's why it's far worse so the third thing going on it puts them still at high risk aside from the challenge that we're making is the sex uh sex workers have an alliance who are individually challenging the law including 286.1 which the reason that one the the buying of sex hasn't been challenged just because Normally, they just get a fine. It's such a small thing. It's not worth it. But it's still a conviction. It can thing. ruin somebody's life. It can. So there's nothing yeah. minor about that. Yeah. No, but, but our, your client has actual standing to challenge 286. He does. But, you know, well. 10 years ago, if somebody was accused of that, they get an absolute discharge. Now they get a mandatory conviction and a fine, which I think is absurd. Well, not just and he. And ridiculous. Not just he, and but she has standing He or she. Yeah. And we're challenging in two cases. We're going to win this. Mm-hmm. We're going to win this. And I'm so proud of that judge in that case and, and the defense lawyer who brought this, purely one on hypotheticals, because our cases aren't hypotheticals. They're real f- lives. Yeah, this so is, these, these are sec- sex workers. The NS case, the hypotheticals are very close to... Our case, our, where they yeah. sought out somebody to help them so that they could have safe environments to do this. And we're not going to stop this. It, you know, This is going to go on like it was from the beginning of time, and it's time that these courts take it seriously and our government just backs away and legalizes. Well, I would actually add that not only do it, does it have to be one definitively, it has to be definitively, not just yeah. like, it has to be one definitively. It, it has to be one in a way that Parliament understands, even if they're given a year, they can't just rewrite the same bad law Again. that commits yeah. the same constitutional challenge issues where they... But, no. but, you know, it would be so interesting if our feminist uh, prime minister were to take a look at this and say, well, you know, sex workers are also vulnerable, and, and here are laws that are putting them at risk. I mean, you know, it might be nice for our male feminist prime minister to take a look at the decision well, in NS and make, make some, you know, really good steps to protecting sex workers and realizing this is no different than legalizing marijuana. It's, it's, it's been around for a long time, and it's going to continue. So, Justin, here's something else for you to take a look at. It's an issue of utopian thinking that um, you can't imagine that nobody is ever going to sell sex in the future. And so if they design laws to stop people from engaging in prostitution, then it's a fantasy world. It is. And, and, And we don't make a moral judgment about it. But for those who want to engage in it, we need to make sure that the environment is safe. So let's all click on that one. Absolutely. Until next week. Until next week. I'm the only one with any left. Safe litigating, my fellow friends. <laughs> oh, f- I'm dry. Me too.